guys welcome back or if this is your first time here then thank you for joining us this is the doula's guide to dot 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 with me meg also known as the dungaree doula it's the podcast where we talk about all things pregnancy birth and postpartum my aim is to share unbiased information to ensure you head into parenthood feeling confident in the informed choices you've made for yourself and your babe if you missed the first couple of episodes and would like to know more about me, then go and check out episode one for a little introduction and a big chat on hypnobirthing and the following episodes with some great birth preparation. This episode's all about birth rights, decision making during pregnancy and birth and a super helpful tool called the brain tool. But before we get started, I just want to say happy new year, happy 2023. I hope everybody had a really lovely Christmas period, a really lovely chilled out New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and that the couple of weeks since, couple of weeks? The week and a half since it turned 2023 has been really lovely for everybody. I hope you're all not putting too much pressure on yourself to meet stupid goals and things like that, and just really resting and enjoying yourself. We had a really lovely Christmas and new year i guess we didn't really do anything for new year but we had a really lovely christmas time we normally go and visit family and stuff but but we didn't this year we stayed in leeds we didn't see anybody it was just us four we went for a really nice walk the kids got to play with all the presents and i really loved it we've never done that before but i think we'll definitely keep doing it for years to come so yeah we had a really nice time i'm happy that it's 2023 i started off the year in a bit of a funk but i'm feeling better now and i'm feeling ready to get going with work stuff. I've been teaching private hypnobirthing um, this month, so I've got one session left of that with that with my private couple. And tomorrow, well, today, I guess, if you're listening to it, because I'm recording this the night before. So today, Friday, I've got, <laughs> I'm teaching three separate couples. I'm seeing my doula clients in the morning. I'm seeing a private couple in the afternoon. And I'm seeing another private couple in the evening. So I yeah, I've kind of gone into 2023 with all guns blazing. I just found out I've been booked for another birth later on in the year. I've got more um, doula interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm very much back into the swing of things already, but I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling excited for what this year is going to bring. I don't really have any plans or any intentions. Um, I want to carry on doing the podcast. I'm absolutely loving it. And I'm really thankful for everyone who's messaged about it and who's been supporting the podcast. It's just still growing day by day which is really cool to see because obviously there was no episodes over Christmas but I could see on the stats that every day people were still tuning in people were still listening and people were still messaging about it so that was really cool one little request here if you have been listening and you have been enjoying it um please would you leave me a rating because currently on I think Spotify and Apple but definitely on Apple um it won't show the average rating because there has they haven't had enough yet I think they need I don't know how many they need actually I have no idea but I know that people have been rating it because they've been telling me uh, but apparently yeah there isn't enough ratings yet for it to show an average so if you are listening you don't have to leave a review if you don't want to although I would love that if you do but you don't have to but if you don't mind just clicking how many stars you would rate the podcast I would really appreciate that but yeah thank you for your support I hope everyone's had a really great lovely Christmas and New Year period and I'll shut up rambling now and get back onto the topic. <laughs> so today's topic, I kind of touched on why this is important in the bonus episode a few weeks ago about giving birth in a midwifery crisis, but I didn't really go into much detail about it. So like I said, birth rights, decision making and the brain tool. It's just really important at the minute because we are in a midwifery crisis there's a lot more pressure on people entering the maternity system at the minute so knowing your rights knowing how to make decisions knowing where to get the information from 
it's just really, really valuable knowledge um, to have as you go into the system. So we'll talk about decision making, about quantifying risk, about situations where you might need to make big decisions, where you can go for up to date evidence based information and things like that. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's a little bit heavy in places because there's probably some things that you're hoping you're never going to have to consider, but take what you need from it. Take the bits that resonate and you don't have to agree with everything. You don't have to want to use all of the information. That's completely fine. It's just out there for you to take if you want it. So we'll start talking about birthright. So, so many people don't realise that they have a million choices to make during pregnancy and birth. And everything is a choice, even if it's not presented to you as a choice, it is. It is always your choice, even trivial things. So a really good example of this is that when you go to your booking appointment, when you're 10, 11 week pregnant, you will be asked if you want to be weighed. I don't actually know if I spoke about this in the very first episode, (laughs) because I always use this example, but it's a really good example. So I'm going to tell you again. Sorry if you've already heard this. When you go to your booking appointment, you get weird, right? For most of us, it's not presented to us as a choice. So we go to that appointment and the midwife will say, right, just hop on the scales and we need to weigh you. And you're just thinking, that's fine. Like, what difference does being weird mean? But actually, that is a choice and it is something to consider because what can happen from this point is that if you get weird and your BMI is either 0.1 too high in the scale and it tips you as being overweight and we all know that BMI is complete bullshit and it doesn't mean anything and it has no bearing on how healthy we are but if your BMI is one point into that overweight scale then you're classed as high risk and if you're classed as high risk that changes the entire course of your pregnancy and it can even change the course of your birth it can mean that you end up being consultant led rather than midwife led it can mean that you start being denied choices it can mean that you start being given Um, intrusive testing for things like gestational diabetes it can mean that you get put on aspirin that you might not need and things like that so even trivial things that are not presented to us as a choice that we think are just completely not harmful at all can actually have really big consequences and I'm not saying don't get weird or say no to everything but I'm just saying think about them and think about the consequences of what you're being told to do during pregnancy because for some people all of that stress is not worth it and you might as well just deny being weird or you can get weird but you can refuse to be consultant led you can get weird and then be given this label but actually say that you don't want to speak to a consultant and you refuse consultant led care but we don't know this we're not told these things so that's why knowing your rights is really really important following on from that that everything is your choice everything that happens to you during pregnancy and birth must be done with informed consent. So what is informed consent? So consent to treatment means that a person must give permission before they receive any type of medical treatment, test or examination. And this must be done on the basis of an explanation by a clinician. So this goes for anything as well. So this is not just in maternity care, this is in anything under the umbrella of the NHS. So consent from a patient, informed consent from a patient is needed regardless of the procedure, no matter how big, no matter how small. And for that consent to be valid, it must be voluntary and fully informed. And the person consenting must have the capacity to make the decision. So what that means is that you've not been put under any pressure to say yes. And it means that you've been informed of all of the outcomes, all of the benefits, all of the risks. 
When it says you must have the capacity to make the decision, that means that you're of sound mind. So you're a consenting adult and you're not yet under any sort of pressure. Informed consent is protected by the law. So it's against the law for treatment to be given to you or your baby without informed consent or obviously for your baby the consent of another person with parental responsibility. So it's illegal for anything to happen to you that you didn't give fully informed consent to. So for example, if a midwife wants to carry out a vaginal examination, they need to tell you in language that makes it clear that they're going to be putting their fingers inside of your vagina, feeling for your cervix and trying to work out how dilated you are. But they don't always do that. Sometimes they'll say things like, just hop up on the bed and we'll have a look and see how you're doing. And that is not clear at all. You have no idea from that what that means. A lot of people think that that just means that they're just going to have a look. They're not going to touch you. They're just going to have a look. So I had a client recently who was like, I keep hearing about this, but what actually is it? I literally just thought that it meant that you just jump on the bed and the midwife would just look and they'd be able to see. And that's not what happens until you get to the point where you're pushing your baby out. You can't see dilation. You can just feel it. It's going on inside of your body. So they have to use their fingers, put them inside, stretch them out, make a guesstimate, really, because they can't see. It is a guesstimate of how dilated they think you are based on that vaginal examination. So to gain informed consent for that procedure, they need to tell you that. They need to tell you exactly what they're doing. They also need to tell you why they want to do that the benefits to doing that and the risks because saying something like just hop up on the bed and we'll have a look is not making it clear what they're doing but it's also not making it clear that it comes with lots of risks it comes with the risk of infection it comes with the risk of breaking waters it comes with the risk of stopping or stalling your labor because it can be so uncomfortable that it can completely take you out of the zone and send you into fight or flight so not telling you these things and just doing it is not gaining informed consent In addition to that, it's also wrong and illegal and unlawful for a healthcare professional to carry out further interventions while doing one thing. So, for example, when people are giving you, when people, when midwives are giving you vaginal exams, you sometimes hear stories of people also doing a stretch and sweep while they're in there and they'll come out and say, oh, I just did a sweep while I was in there. Um, I just gave you a little stretch and sweep to try and boost things along while I was doing that examination. And that, again, is completely illegal and completely unlawful. Because even if they had gained fully informed consent to do the vaginal examination, that was it. That was the only thing that they gained informed consent for. They did. Ha- they had absolutely no right to do the sweep either. So that's completely illegal. There are different ways that you can give informed consent. It's not about you know signing a waiver. Um, so you can give consent verbally. So a person saying that they're happy to have an ultrasound that would be informed consent if you agree to having an ultrasound and you just say it and you turn up to the appointment that's informed consent you can give it in writing so when you sign a consent form so for example if you was going for a cesarean you always have to sign a consent form that's another way you can give informed consent you can also give non-verbal informed consent so as long as you completely understand the treatment or the examination, or whatever it is that's about to take place, you know all the benefits, you know all the risks, you've made an informed decision, then you can give non-verbal consent. So for example, if someone wants to take your blood, you hold your arm out. If someone wants to take your temperature while you're in labour, and they ask, and you give a thumbs up, or you lean towards them with your ear, or something like that, then that would still count as informed consent. 
Something to remember is that you can always ask for more information. You can always ask for more time. You can always ask for more opinions. Sorry, my voice keeps going. It's, <laughs> I'm absolutely fine. It's just, it's been like this since I had COVID, which was about a month ago now. So sorry if that's annoying you that my voice keeps going really husky. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can always ask for more information, more time, more opinions. You do not need to give consent to anything straight away. What if I can't give informed consent? So the only time that health professionals do not need your consent to treatment is when you are not physically able to make a decision. And it is very, very, very rare in law for someone to be unable to make their own decisions. So obviously in an emergency situation, if you was unconscious, then that would mean that you don't have the capacity to make a decision. Um, and in this situation, healthcare professionals, they can only give you treatment and care that could help you stay alive. So they wouldn't be able to do anything else to you, but they could give you any sort of treatment that would preserve your life, basically. And then the other option is if, like I said before, you don't have the mental capacity. So if you were seriously ill, if you were maybe suffering from something like psychosis, if a healthcare professional puts pressure on you to make a particular choice or choose a particular treatment, then this is called undue influence. And again, this is illegal. This is unlawful. So there are loads of examples of this happening that I've heard, things that have happened to me, things that have happened to people during birth, things that I've witnessed as being a doula to people. So for example, if your healthcare professional keeps discussing risks, even when you've made a decision. So if you have been asked to, or if you've been told that you're going to be induced, and you decline that induction based on informed consent, based on knowing all the benefits, on the risks, talking to people about it, doing your own research, things like that. You've declined it and your healthcare professional is constantly barraging you with, that's not the right decision. These are the risks. You really need to consider these risks. Have you thought about this? Blah, 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 blah. Um, that is undue influence because they're putting pressure on you to make the decision that they want you to make. Um, if a healthcare professional threatens to stop caring for you, so you sometimes hear about this if people go over 42 weeks and they say, well, we won't come out to your home birth if you go past 42 weeks. Completely unlawful. <laughs> um, if your healthcare professional tells you you have to make a decision by a certain time, unless obviously there's a medical emergency, then you, you there is a time limit. But other than that, there's not. So for example, with the induction example, they say, well, you have to let us know by Monday because that's the last date that we would do it or something like that not true <laughs> um, and especially if they put pressure on other people in your family to persuade you or change your mind so sometimes this will come across as like a really nonchalant comment that's kind of off the books but midwives might say to like a birth partner or something like we I don't think we should be doing this do, think about the health of your baby or I, I don't think that this is right I think that can you just talk to her and see if she wants to do this etc etc all of that is undue influence and that comes sort of under the barrier of informed consent because you're getting this pressure whatever decision you make based on this pressure is not a decision you would have made in good conscience so that leads me on to thinking about risk so when we talk about risk in maternity care, I know it's like it's a really hot topic and it's a really widely debated topic and it's a really sensitive topic because none of us wants to think about putting our babies at risk, do we? It's a really horrible thing to think about. But the fact of the matter is that giving birth is risky, but in the same way that being alive is risky. <laughs> like if you think about the things that we do every day, there are risks involved. Every time you get into the car and you drive somewhere, there are risks involved. Every time you turn on the oven, there are risks involved. Every time you step into your workplace, there are risks involved. Like nothing is 100% risk free and neither is giving birth. 
But the majority of the risks that come with childbirth are incredibly, incredibly low, but they're not always presented to us in that way. So it's worth thinking about quantifying that risk, which just means always asking for the actual figures when talking about risk. Because doctors and midwives will always say things like, it's too risky to let you go overdue, it's too risky to not induce you. You hear all the time, the risk of something doubles. They will always say, if we let you do X, Y and Z, then the risk of X, Y and Z doubles. But what does that mean? Does it mean that it doubles from 40% to 80%, which is a lot? Or does it double from 0.1% to 0.2%? Because these figures are vastly different. Vastly, vastly different. And also, doctors and midwives are not the people who get to say what's too risky, actually. It's for you to decide. So for some people, a jump from 0.1% to 0.2% might be too risky, like that might be too much like you might see that as the risk's gone up and that's too much for me so I'm going to do what they're suggesting and for others it might jump from 40 to 80 percent and you might be absolutely fine with it and you might be like nah that's cool I still don't think that's too risky it's about what's right for you it's not about what the doctors or the hospital deem as too risky because it's not their decision to make so quantify that risk and always ask for the actual figures and the actual numbers Remember, you don't have to make immediate decisions. You can ask for more research and also ask where the figures come from. So if you're being told the risk of X, Y and Z doubles and you say, okay, but what does it double to? And they say, I don't know, 0.1 to 0.2. And you can say, well, where? Where does that research come from? And then they will show you and you could actually see if it's the most up to date research or not, because a lot of hospital policy and hospital guidelines are really outdated and they're not based on the most up to date research, because obviously new research is coming out all of the time and it takes a long time to get into the system and to get into the guidelines. So you'll have people telling you that something's too risky based on research that was done in the 80s, where there might have been numerous studies done since that completely disagree with what you're being suggested but they haven't made it into guidelines yet so you're always allowed to go and ask some more research and to do your own research and I'm not saying like look for some random small scale study that was done in the middle of nowhere on 10 people giving birth and say well I found this and so I'm making my decision based on that but look at the most up-to-date and the most sort of full knowledge that we have look at the full picture of it and make your decisions based on that you can ask to talk it through with your partner you can ask to sleep on it you can ask for more time nothing's immediate unless it is a true medical emergency so now we've thought about that how do we make these decisions so as i said at the beginning the main decision making tool is the brain tool and it is so helpful and it's an acronym so it's the word brain and each letter stands for something to consider when you're making a decision and this is super helpful for pregnancy and birth and beyond so you can use it when you're going to maternity appointments, you can use it when you're going for scans, you can use it in consultant appointments, you can use it when you're making decisions about what you want to put on your birth plan and then you can actually use it during labour and birth as well if things crop up. So the B stands for benefits, the R stands for risks, the A stands for alternatives, the I stands for intuition or instinct, and the N stands for nothing. So you can think about with the benefits, what are the benefits to me? What are the benefits to my baby? What are the benefits to our wider family? What are the risks? So what are the risks to me? What are the risks to my baby? What are the risks to our wider family, our situation? What are the alternatives? Because we're very rarely given any alternatives. If we're being presented with an offer... 
it's that way or nothing. But a lot of the time there are alternatives that we need to consider too. And then what does our instinct say? What does our intuition say? Um, obviously, if your intuition is telling you to do something absolutely ridiculously stupid, then <laughs> maybe you override it. But it's a good idea to really, really tune into your intuition in pregnancy and in bed and listen to what it's telling you. Go with your gut. And then what if we do nothing? And this can mean different things too. So this could mean what if we do nothing at all? If you're being recommended an induction, well, actually, what happens if we do nothing at all? But it could also mean what happens if we do nothing for 10 minutes while I step outside this midwife appointment and I go ring my partner and I talk it through with them. What happens if I go home and I sleep on it and I ring you back up tomorrow and let you know? What happens if we do nothing for a week and then we check back in and we do some monitoring and we re-go through the brain tool and think about where we're at now? So all of those five things are just really important, really handy things to consider for any decision that we've got to make during pregnancy and during birth and it's just it's a it's a priceless tool you will uh, you will use it i can assure you <laughs> so what can you do if your choices aren't being respected uh, i feel like this is kind of the next logical thing to talk about because so it's all well and good having these tools to use and knowing your rights but that doesn't always mean that they're going to be met with grace if a professional is telling you to do something or recommending you to do something you can sometimes come across as like that awkward patient that's disagreeing and it can be like a bit of a a not very nice place to be in. It can feel quite intimidating, especially if you don't like sort of confrontation and stuff like that. And I'm not saying there will be confrontation. Obviously, a lot of the time midwives will hopefully support, be supportive of your choices, but they will always. Sometimes you will end up with a bit of a fight on your hands. So if your choices are being respected, there are a few things you can do. You can shut down the conversation. Um, so if you feel like you're being coerced, there are some phrases that you can use that don't make it sound like just a no. <laughs> you can say things like, would you just write that down in my notes for me with your reasoning? You can say things like, could you show me the research and evidence for that? Like I said, you can say, I'd like to discuss this with my partner and then I'll get back to you. Please, could we schedule a phone call? Um, or like I said, you could just say no. You can just simply say no, I've made my decision. I don't wish to discuss this anymore. You can ask to change your healthcare professional. So you can do this at any point in time. If your community midwife, your obstetrician, your consultant doesn't respect your wishes and is trying to coerce you, then just ask for a new one. Even when you're giving birth, if you're not getting on with the midwives that you've got, you can ask to change that midwife for your birth. Although I did mention to my private clients a few days ago, I said this is all well and good, but you want to check that your midwifery unit isn't really understaffed at the time you're in birth, because if it's really understaffed and then you go out and request another midwife and there isn't one, it's probably going to make the whole situation even more awkward. So make sure they have enough staff to facilitate it. But even during birth, if you're not getting on with your midwife, because the people who are in your birth environment can literally make or break your birth. So you can ask for a new one at any point. Taking things up with the head of midwifery is a good one as well. So this is especially good if you're being told in midwife appointments that you can't do something during birth or you need to be signed off for something. This is not necessarily true, but it can help to just get it signed off, basically. So for example, if someone's telling you you can't use the midwife-led unit, but you really want to birth in the midwife-led unit, then go and talk to the head of midwifery and nine times out of ten, they'll side with you and they'll because they kind of have a fuller picture. A lot of the time in midwifery appointments, the midwives are 
sort of it's an exercise in tick boxing isn't it like they have to tell you certain things and they have to say we've advised against this we've advised against this blah 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 blah. whereas if you talk to the head of midwifery they can look at you through sort of like person-centered care and they can see actually I can see that yeah you're slightly going against our advice but you're clearly going to be safe in the middle of the unit so that's fine and they can make a note on your notes for future midwives to see and they can say right the head of midwifery said it's fine so no more conversations about that and then the final straw is that hopefully you don't have to use this I've never had sort of a client or a friend or anyone that I know have to use this but it is a really great resource for if you do so you can contact professional help and there's a charity, a UK charity called Birthrights. So Birthrights is from the website. It says Birthrights is a UK charity dedicated to improving the experience of pregnancy and childbirth by promoting respect for human rights. And it's a really great resource. It's a great resource to use even if you're not sort of needing professional help. It's got lots of really handy information on the website. But if you do need any sort of professional help, then I would definitely recommend going to Birthrights. Some other resources for evidence-based up-to-date research that I really enjoy are using Instagram. I know that that sounds like really <laughs> quite stupid. I saw a poll recently that said that like it was something ridiculously high, like 60 or 70% of millennials use social media instead of Google now. They use it as a search engine, um, <laughs> which I don't know if that's good or bad. But yeah, you, there's so much information on Instagram and obviously I'm not saying take it as face value, like don't go into your appointment and go, I'm declining that because I saw this post on Instagram about it. <laughs> but you can find out information and then look for the source, look for where that information comes from. So a really good one to follow is Emma Ashworth. So her sort of, I'll leave all the apps actually, I'll leave all these links in the show notes, but Emma underscore Ashworth underscore birth underscore right. She wrote Your Rights in Pregnancy and Birth, the AIMS Guide, and she shares birth rights stuff most days and it's really really helpful um dr sarah wickham is another really good one and at birth better and then there's some books that i like as well so your no guilt pregnancy plan by rebecca schiller human rights in childbirth also by rebecca schiller and like i just said the aims guide to your rights in pregnancy and birth they're really good too and um, some other resources you can go to so you can always ask a doula or an independent midwife a local birth worker and they'll be able to help you find research on the topics that are specific to your needs as well um, so that's kind of a lot of what I do for my clients like outside of teaching people will message me and say look I've been recommended this um, and I'm not sure what to do yet can you present me with the research and I don't give my opinion but I just say look this is what this says this is what this says this is what the most up-to-date research says so if you have a doula or an independent midwife then ask those obviously don't expect them to work for free um, because a lot of time and effort goes into finding this sort of thing but book things like power hours with them or book them to do a hypnobirthing course and then you get their ongoing support book them as your doula and you get as much support as you need and then some websites that I like I like the Sarah Wickham website um, I like the AIMS website the evidence-based birth website and like I said the birth rights website so links to all of these websites and instagrams and books and stuff will be in the show notes so definitely go and check them out and that's it um, I do hope that this was helpful and that you can utilise like these tools and this knowledge during your pregnancy, during your birth and beyond because these tools are for life. So I said this on the breathing techniques episode as well. Like I use those breathing techniques all the time and I'm now four and two years postpartum. But it's the same with the brain tool. If you have a big decision to make, then I use this acronym to figure out what's right for me all the time. I think the, the most important takeaway from this should be that it's your birth and it's your baby. If something feels right for you both, then it's right. 
You don't have to follow anyone. You don't have to follow the head. You don't have to follow your hospital guidelines. You don't have to follow what influencers on social media are doing. You don't have to follow what doulas and birth workers are telling you to do. But likewise, you don't have to go against the grain either. If you're presented with the option of something, so for example, an induction, and you feel like having that induction is the right option for you, then that's okay. Like you, like I said, you don't have to say no to everything. Tune into your intuition and just remember that you're in control. You're the one who gets to make these choices. So thank you again for listening. Um, if you did find this helpful, please do let me know. And if you have any more questions, then come hang out on Instagram where I'm at the Dungaree Doula. I share loads and loads of free information over there. So do come and check that out. If you want to get started on your birth preparation, then remember I offer a birth preparation and hypnobirthing masterclass for £18.50. You can download that now and work through it in your own time because it's pre-recorded. I'll leave a link to that in the show notes below as well. And I also offer hypnobirthing, doula and virtual doula services. All the information on that can be found via my website, also in the show notes. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of stuff in these show notes, isn't there? <laughs> um, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do stick around, like, follow and subscribe. I'll leave a little review if you don't mind. That would be very helpful. Thank you. Speak soon. Bye.